the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us. The topic of today's message brings us face to face with the most imposing question of our lives. What will our answer be? Will we consistently stand up for Jesus Christ no matter what the cost to us? Or would we choose self-preservation at any cost to our Lord and Savior? Will we risk eternal life with Him? Listen as Pastor Rander shares with us. Have Bible, pen, and paper handy as you will want to take notes. Many of you read books on Jesus. You've attended seminars and conferences and revivals and crusades about Jesus. You've heard preacher after preacher preach on Jesus. You heard Sunday school teachers teach and you've, you've heard about Jesus on television and radio. But the question is, now that you've heard all of that, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? One must have his own testimony as to who God is to them. We are not saved by the experiences and testimonies of others. We must trust God and experience him for ourselves. What I'm saved and I can't transfer my salvation to you. Amen. You have to accept Jesus Christ personally for yourself. He must be personalized in your own life. You say, my grandma was saved, my great-grandma was saved, my mama was saved, my daddy was a deacon, preacher, whatever it was. But yes, but, but, but what do you have? You may have rank. You may be saluted. But what does it, what does it, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Look at verse 16. Verse 16 is Peter's declaration. In verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said astoundedly, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter spoke through divine revelation from God and answers without hesitation, saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, it's something profound there. Peter's statement was a declaration and confession of his faith. It was a declaration and confession of his faith. Peter's statement, it affirmed Jesus, confirmed, validated, and made it unmistakably clear that Jesus was and is God in flesh. Can you speak like Peter? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And mean it with the depths of your soul. You see, beloved, Peter confessed Jesus to be the Messiah through whom all the promises of God would be fulfilled to the nation through the nation Israel. The Messiah is more than a human being. He is God in human flesh. You see, the deity of Christ is still the foundational doctrine of the Christian faith. What you believe about Jesus determines whether you are saved or lost, whether you are in Christ or out, or whether you're going to heaven or hell. 
Who is Jesus to you? Look at verses 17 through 19a. This is a divine revelation acknowledged. Matthew 16, 17 through 19a says, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, but Jonah, for for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus responded to Peter by saying to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for your statement did not come from man, but God. God spoke divinely through Peter with that profound spiritual answer. That's something I want to say about that. Divine insight, divine wisdom, and revelation are revealed to those who have intimacy with Jesus Christ. How many of you want God to let you in on some things? Let me see your hand. How many of you want God to tell you stuff that the world can't tell you? That CNN can't tell you. That Fox News can't tell you. Let me tell you something. When you walk in closeness of fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll give you dreams. He'll give you visions. He'll give you signs. He'll give you wonders. He'll let you in on some kingdom insight that will confound folk all around you. That's right. They say, how do you know these things? I didn't get it from reading Jet Magazine. Better House and Garden, the Wall Street Journal. This insight I get is from walking with the Lord. Let me tell you something. God will disclose some incredible, supernatural things as you draw near to him. He'll let you on. He'll give you a spirit of discernment like you have never had. The closer you are, the more discerning you will be. Wow, that's that's just awesome. And the person and works of Peter, uh, I'm sorry, the person and works of Christ have thoroughly convinced Peter that Jesus is God. You see, salvation comes only by believing Christ alone and making a right confession about who Jesus is. Peter believed Jesus and made the right confession what, about Jesus. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, look, the scripture, you got to believe and confess. A lot of folk believe but don't want to confess. No, 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 no. You got to believe and not be ashamed to confess who he is to you. Yeah, you know, you don't mind saying uh, I'm a colonel or I'm a general or I'm a sergeant major, a master sergeant. But can you say I'm a Christian? Can you say I'm a child of the king? Can you say I know who Jesus is? You mess up your battalion Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be what? Saved. For with the heart men believe unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When you know him in your heart, you'll speak it with your mouth. When it's good news, you can't keep it to yourself. I heard that old song. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody. But I just couldn't. You ever had news you you about to break over and bust open? You got to tell some good news. I day I got, got a hold of me, I got to tell somebody who he is to me. I can't, I make myself sick. And if I try to sit down, my soul will burn. Like Jeremiah, it's just like fire. Shut up in my soul, in my bones. Oh yeah, First uh, John chapter 4. 
two and three says, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Listen, Jesus Christ is God and man. He is perfect deity and he's perfect humanity and undiminished deity. And you can't dismiss any of that unless you create a great sense of heresy. Look at verse 18, 16, 18. Y'all got your Bibles? You got your Bibles? Look at it. Verse 18 says, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now in the Old Testament, the, the Jews recognized the rock as a symbol of God. In the Old Testament, the Jews recognized God as a what? A rock. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4 says, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. God is a rock. In Psalms 18 two, it says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You see, uh, the rock is a symbol for God. He says here in verse 18 that upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, you got to understand something. That's what Catholicism get it all messed up. You know, Catholicism says that, that, that God was building the church on Peter and Peter became the first pope and all that. Nonsense. Nonsense. In verse 18, Jesus is not establishing his church on Peter, but rather he is establishing his church on the declaration and statement of Peter. And that is a distinct difference. It was the declaration and the statement of Peter that Jesus would build his church on. Both the Old and New Testament affirms not only God being a rock, but Jesus being a rock. Let me show you in the Old Testament, talking about Jesus being a rock. Psalms 118.22 says, The stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone. In Isaiah 28.16 it says, Therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Talking about the Lord. Look, in Matthew 21, 42, talks about Jesus being the rock. In Matthew 21, 42, it says, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, you Jews, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 12 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Wow. 
Jesus Christ is a rock in the weary land. Shelter in the time of what? Listen, when storms come, calamities come. Uh, how many of you have had some storms in your lives? How many of you have had some things to come into your life, some adversity, and some things you were not, uh, just ambushed you and you found yourself right in the middle of it. But let me tell you what, even if you catch it from the east, the west, the north, or the south, even if you don't know it's coming, let me tell you something, you can weather the storms of life when you are built on the rock of Jesus Christ. Rock of ages cleft in me. Let me hide thyself in thee. Jesus Christ is the foundational rock upon which the church is built and everyone who believes in Jesus and confesses him as the son of God and savior is a living stone. I'm looking at a bunch of stones today. Oh, look at all these rocks. A house filled with rocks. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, if you believe him alone that he came in the fullness of time, born in Bethlehem of Judea in a manger, that he grew up as God, he lived as God, he died on that cross as God, he was buried as God, he rose as God, and one of these old days, he's coming back as God. If you believe that, beloved, you are a stone. Say, I'm a stone. Say, I'm a stone. Yeah, 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 yeah. First Peter chapter two, verse five says, you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, the church is in the Greek is ecclesia, which literally means a called out assembly. And Jesus Christ is the owner and great head of the church, not only in time, but also in eternity. When the church, one of these old days, be snatched from time to eternity, from here to there, the church will not disappear. The church will be around the throne of God. As a matter of fact, the 24 elders represent the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew 16, 18 says, look at there. Look at that verse. Matthew 16, 18, 18, I'm almost done. Also says, and the gate of Hades shall not prevail. Against it. The same Jesus who triumphed over sin, death, the grave, and hell in his glorious resurrection will build his church. I'm not responsible for building his church because God says he will build his church if we stay committed to the integrity of Scripture. Amen? Amen. He said, I will. And let me tell you something. Sometimes hell comes in the church. And hell comes against the church. But 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 ever since the exception of the church in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the church has still been the what? They've tried to beat the church, split the church, persecute the church, blast the church, despise the church. But the church is still the greatest assembly in all the world today. Why? Because Jesus says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, even in the midst of persecution. And verse 19a says, Jesus says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Peter. <laughs> now, keys represents authority. 
You can't get in my house unless you got a key unless you plan on breaking in. Amen. You can't come up to this church anytime and use your key to open this door. You crazy. You got to have a key that will fit the lock of that door. Amen. I can't get in your house without a key and you can't get in my house because we have to have a key, uh, which is the authority. You don't wonder about, oh, I, I got my key to this house. I wonder, should I open the door of my house? You don't think like that. That key is symbolic of having what? Authority. Keys represent authority. And Peter was given the privilege of opening the door of salvation to share the saving gospel uh, to the Jews at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Uh, the doors of salvation was open to the Samaritans in Acts 8.14. The door of salvation was open to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. We as believers in, in Jesus Christ have been given the privilege of opening the door of salvation to those who are lost and do not know Jesus. What are you doing with the kingdom keys? How many of you know you got keys? You have a thought. How many of you know you've been authorized by God? To open the door of salvation to those who have not Jesus. Why can't you knock on doors? Why, why don't you open your mouth to your co-workers, to your neighbors, or whomever cross your path? God has authorized you to tell the world about Jesus, and yet you're not using the authority given. Let me tell you something. When you experience Jesus Christ, you will confess him as God. So no such thing saying, I have God, but can't talk about him. When you have God in the soul, you can't help but confess him as God. Let me give you some examples. Nathaniel confessed Christ as the son of God. In John 1, 49, Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Nathaniel confessed Jesus as God. Peter makes another a resounding uh, confession of faith in Christ. For in John chapter 6, the gospel of John chapter 6, verses 68 through 69, it says, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The disciples also declared Jesus to be the son of God. They confessed him. For in Matthew chapter 14, verse 33, it says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Doubting Thomas confessed him as God. For in the Gospel of John chapter 20, verses 27 through 28, it says, Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, Thomas, and look at my hands. And reach your hands here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing, Thomas. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Oh, as I conclude this message today to answer the question, who is Jesus? Is not a mere academic question, but rather a question that brings you to the crossroads of life. What you do with this question will affect your life for time and eternity. Beloved, there is only one answer to the question who Jesus is that can qualify a person for heaven. And that only right answer is you are the Christ, the son of the living God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on who? Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the grounds is sinking sand. All of the grounds is sinking sand. In closing, if Jesus were to ask you the question, how would you answer this morning? The Bible makes it clear who Jesus is. You mind me going to the Bible one more time? I'll close with what the Bible says about who Jesus is. In Genesis, Christ is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, Christ is our Passover lamb. In Leviticus, Christ is our sacrificial offering. In Numbers, Christ is the bronze serpent on the stake. In Deuteronomy, Christ is the prophet promised to the nation Israel. In Joshua, Christ is Rahab's scarlet cord. In Judges, the book presents the need of a righteous king. In Ruth, Christ is the kinsman redeemer. <laughs> In First and Second Samuel, Christ is prophet, priest, and judge. In First Kings, Solomon, fame, glory, wealth, and honor foreshadows Christ in his kingdom. In Second Kings, Christ is the Messiah, the direct descendant of the limit, the lineage of David. In First and Second Chronicles, the fulfillment of Christ can be seen in the genealogist. The book of Ezra typifies Christ's work of forgiveness and restoration. The book of Nehemiah illustrates Christ in that he gives up a high position in order to identify with the plight of his people. In Esther, like Christ, puts herself in the place of death for her people, but receives the approval of the king. In Job, he acknowledges a redeemer and cries out for a mediator. In Psalms, Christ is the great shepherd. In Proverbs, wisdom is personified in Christ. In Ecclesiastes, Christ is the only one who can provide satisfaction, joy, and wisdom. In Song of Solomon, Israel is regarded as the bride of Yahweh. In Isaiah, Christ is the promised Messiah. In Jeremiah, Christ is the righteous branch. In Lamentation, Christ is the weeping prophet over Jerusalem. In Ezekiel, Christ is the twig, the tender twig that becomes a stately cedar on a lofty mountain. In Daniel, Christ is the great stone who will crush the kingdoms of this world. In Hosea, Christ is seen in Hosea's redemption of Goma from the slave market. In Joel, Christ is the one who will judge the nations in the valley of Jehoshaphat. In Amos, Christ is the restorer of his people. In Obadiah, Christ is the savior of Israel. Jonah's experience is a type of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In Micah, Bethlehem is the birthplace of Christ. In Nahum, the divine attributes are consistent with the work of Christ, the judge of the nation in his second advent. In Habakkuk, the earth will be filled with the knowledge, the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And Zephaniah, Christ is the one who will fulfill the great promises. And Haggai, the Messiah, is portrayed in the person of Zerubbabel. In Zechariah, Christ is the cornerstone. Malachi predicts the coming of the messenger who will clear the way before the Lord. In Matthew, Jesus is the messianic king. In Mark, Jesus is the servant. In Luke, Jesus is full of compassion. In John, Jesus is God. 
out of mighty. In Acts, Jesus is the resurrected Savior. In Romans, Jesus is the second Adam whose righteousness and substitutionary death have provided justification for all who place their faith in him. In First and Second Corinthians, Jesus is powerful and triumphant. In Galatians, Jesus is freedom from the bondage of the law. In Ephesians, the believer is chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. In Philippians, Jesus is the model for humility. In Colossians, Jesus is the Lord of creation. In 1 Thessalonians, Jesus is the hope of salvation both now and at his coming. In 2 Thessalonians, Jesus shall return. How many of you know he's going to return? In 1 Timothy, Christ is the one mediator between God and man. In 2 Timothy, Jesus will reward all who love his appearing. In Titus, Jesus is our blessed hope. In Philemon, believers can be found in Christ. In Hebrews, Christ is our eternal high priest. In James, Christ teaches us how to love our brother. In 1 Peter, Jesus is the believer's example and hope in times of suffering. In 2 Peter, Jesus is the source of full knowledge and power. In 1 John, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses the believers from all sin. In 2 John, the believers must abide in the doctrine of Christ. In 3 John, Christ is the source and incarnation of truth. In Jude, the believers is preserved in Jesus Christ. Oh, but in Revelation, Jesus is the firstborn. (laughs) From the dead, he is, yes, the firstborn from the dead, he is. He is the first and the last. Matter of fact, I love the title they ascribe to him. They say, Jesus is the amen. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the root of David, the bright and morning star. Jesus is the alpha and omega. I wonder, I told you who Jesus is in the scripture, but let me tell you who he is to me. (laughs) Jesus is my mama and my daddy. My brother and my sister. Yeah, he's, he's bread in a starving land. He's my joy. He's my help. He's my leaning post when I need somebody to lean on. Jesus is my fighter. He fights my battle if I just keep still. Who is Jesus to me? He's my sufficient Lord. He's my savior. He is my everything. He's my hope. He's my joy. He's my deliverer. He's my battle axe in the time of war. Who is Jesus to me? He is my everything. He's my everything. Is he your everything? Do you know who he is? Have you ever tried him? Who is Jesus? And all God's children said, As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy. Yet, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, peace, strength, and God's blessed assurance as we face trials. Best yet, we look forward to hearing our Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant and eternal life with our Lord and Savior. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.